Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome to On the Birds. This is Zach Spedden joined by Nick Stevens. Our co-host Bob Phelan will be joining us shortly for night one of the MLB draft. We're now about 30 minutes away from when the Orioles will make the first pick in the draft, and we will see which prospect will join the ranks of this farm system. Um, And Nick, a week ago, we were on the air, and we discussed how uncertain things seemed about who that number one pick was going to be. And I think it's fair to say that there's still a lot of uncertainty. Uh, yeah, we are. Let's pull up the timer here. Um, they don't have the timer up there. We're like 24 minutes away from this pick being announced, and no one still has any idea what's going to happen. Every single mock draft is different. Everybody's sources says something different. Uh, I don't care anymore at this point. I'm so tired of the mock drafts and people's sources and the Twitter threads of here are my thoughts on all of these guys with the same five thoughts on each player. I just want to see this pick now. And honestly, I, I I don't care who it is at this point. Well, we're going to discuss that uh, a lot in the next half hour or so leading up to the pick. But as we like to do at the top of our, a lot of our shows or all of our shows, we want to welcome new members of our Patreon community. And I will turn that over to Nick. Yeah, so I don't know if this is going to go on our main podcast feed or not, but uh, or what that schedule looks like. But uh, we did have three new patrons. Hopefully you are with us live right now. Catherine uh, Bochi, hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Justin Bach just signed up this afternoon. Shout out to Justin. And Isaac Barrow, shout out to Isaac. And yeah, I guess if anyone else is watching live, we're going to be free tonight. on. We should be on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube right now. Uh live until what eight eight or so and then we're switching over to patreon so patrons only starting at eight o'clock a little bit after eight uh we're going to be on talking about the rest of these picks so go to patreon.com search on the verge go to twitter our twitter account it's all there come sign up and yeah if you're watching on youtube if just in case this is like a youtube only thing like smash that like button do that right is that what you're supposed to do on, on youtube i'm not a youtuber hit the like button share it with your friends whatever talk draft yeah, whatever term you want to use for liking, smashing, smashing that button, whatever, because this is probably going to be the longest night in On the Verge history in more ways than one. So we'll uh, get into that top pick right now, Nick. And 
Here's um, a question that's interesting about Drew Jones here from one of our listeners on YouTube. Is there a world where the O's pick Drew Jones, Drew, and he doesn't sign low signing bonus? I don't think so, only because at this point you've had the negotiations with these guys. You've exchanged figures. You, uh, you've done everything but sign on the dotted line, I think, with all of these guys. So at this point, if, if Jones isn't going to take your offer, then you've moved on, and that's not going to be your pick. And you're not going to take him in hopes of him signing elsewhere or agreeing to that deal. So, yeah, no, if he's not going to take the lower dollar amount or if the Orioles don't want to reach his dollar figure, it's not going to be Drew Jones, 0% chance. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you're not going to squander the number one pick in the draft over a bonus issue. You're going to have a good idea and perhaps even know the dollar amount when you pick that player, what they're going to take. It feels like the only time you see top picks fall apart um, are typically over physicals uh, when we're looking inside the top 10 or so. And there's nothing to indicate there's anything wrong with Drew Jones. So I fully expect that if Drew Jones is drafted, he's going to sign with the Orioles. And that kind of leads me into the next thing that I wanted to bring up, which was that it feels like there's really two different scenarios that are on, unfolding right now. One of them involves Drew Jones, and the other one is the rest of the board. Um, if the Orioles draft Drew Jones, I expect that this draft is going to look a lot like the 2019 draft, where you're going to have Jones take a little bit less than slot. It's not going to be significantly under, but it's going to be a few hundred thousand dollars under. You're going to trim there, and then you're probably going to draft a lot of seniors deeper in the top 10, college seniors, to save money. Or we're going to see what we've seen the last two drafts, and you're going to go under slot a million and a half, two million under on that first pick. And that's going to allow you to go over slot on multiple picks, perhaps, later in the draft. And I'm looking in particular at pick number 33 for the Orioles, feeling like that could be a target for them if they're going to go over slot. Yeah, it's, I mean, even if you go Drew Jones, right, and you spend, what, it's about half, maybe a little bit over half, maybe a little bit under half of your signing bonus pool. Like, um, I've got the 2019 draft results right up here. Like, you still went Adley Rushman 1-1, and then you got Gunnar Henderson 42, Kyle Stowers 71, Joey Ortiz in the fourth round, Joe Hernandez high school pick in the fifth round, Maverick Hanley in the sixth round. I mean, there are some good role players down there. And even just in the top five, six rounds, like you've got guys, one, not counting, well, let's count Allie Richmond. One, two, three, four, four guys who I could say, yeah, they're going to be major leaguers. Um, and two or three other guys who could very well be in the major leagues at some point, either with the Orioles or another team. Uh, so like even spending up to get Drew Jones, like you could still have a pretty darn good draft. And this is what the second highest draft bonus pool ever in like MLB draft history, the Orioles have. So, I mean, yeah, I kind of said it the other day and this class is so deep. It seems like with, you know, the, the college hitters, like, right. You can save some money with some of those high floor college hitters down the road and you can still hit a home run and you can still have good money to go after uh, another slightly over slot or two pick in these next 10 rounds. So you know, going Drew Jones doesn't eliminate you. And I can't remember where I saw it. I think they said that the Orioles supposedly, you know, aren't opposed to spinning up because of that pull. So there you go. Yeah. And there's certainly precedent for it. And don't forget that when Gunnar Henderson was drafted, I think one of the reasons he fell to that spot was he had a commitment to Auburn that a lot of teams believed he was going to follow up on. And then of course he gets drafted and immediately I, I remember like Within a day or two of the draft, he was basically saying publicly, like, no, I'm signing. I'm starting my professional career. 
and we see how that has turned out. He's now one of the best prospects in all of the game. So we, you know, we are going to talk a lot of drafts here tonight, but Bill has an interesting question that I, I want to bring up here. <laughs> Nick, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm starting with a flying dog. Uh, Hazy Electric, I think it is. I don't know. It's I saw it. I hadn't seen that in our grocery stores. I'm in Virginia, for those that don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I went that. Uh, I've got some New Belgium ready to go. I, I've got my favorite beer, a local craft brewery here in uh, Harrisonburg, Brothers Brewery, uh, The Commander. But that's a triple IPA. And uh, maybe maybe we'll, we'll end the night with a nice triple IPA to celebrate if this draft goes well. And as long as it's not Jacob Berry going 1-1. Or maybe if it is Jacob Berry 1-1, one, one, I'm pulling out the triple IPA and we'll just, the rest of the stream will just be whatever. Yeah, things might get interesting there. And I do want to ask you, like, it's Jacob Berry, like, looking at the potential names at the 1-1. One, one. Is there a player you've just mentioned with Jacob Berry, but is there anybody else that you would not want in that spot? I mean, Elijah Green, I'm fine with. I do like that high upside ceiling. And I've been reading a lot more lately about, you know, the strikeout issues and the way he fixed the strikeout issues seem like legitimate. That will lead him to more success. I think there's just more like a wider range of outcomes. It seems like with Elijah green. And even then I've read some who believe that like the, the high floor or the high ceiling, low floor thing, especially the low floor thing and wide variance of outcomes is kind of exaggerated a little bit. And I don't, people are kind of sliding Elijah Green a little bit. So if that's the case, then like I'm fine with Elijah Green. Drew Jones, of course, I'm cool with. Uh, really, it's Jacob Berry. I would have major questions. If it's Gavin Cross, that's a name that we've seen like two or three times now. I'm going to have an issue with that big time because more, more than just he's a Virginia Tech kid, but uh, there are just so many other top talents here. And then... You know, even Kevin Prada, you know, that was a name that I've jokingly said a couple of times, but that's a name that's been kind of gaining steam in the chat. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be mad, but I would be afraid to get on Twitter and look at the comments if the pick is Kevin Prada, catcher out of uh, Georgia Tech, no matter how good of a hitter he is. Yeah, they would get ugly on Orioles Twitter with the don't they already know they have a catcher. It was bad enough last year when they drafted like nine outfielders. Um <laughs> So I don't I don't want to see that. And it is interesting with Parada, though, you bring that up because the new reports on fan graphs were published in the last few days. And if you haven't read them yet, go check them out, because there are some of the most in-depth that I have seen leading up to the draft. But Eric Longenhagen, who, you know, the three of us have a tremendous amount of respect for, doesn't necessarily see Parada sticking behind the plate, perhaps ending up in left field. But I, I still find that to be a reach, not because of his talent, just because he doesn't seem like the right fit. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are fantastic. 1162 OPS at Georgia Tech. So in the ACC, like 26 home runs, 30 walks to just 32 strikeouts. The guy's a hitter, and you know the bat is certainly going to play whatever position you put him at. But, yeah, there are just so many other options here at the top of this draft. Like, even if you go Brooks Lee, and I know a lot of Orioles fans are not going to be excited if it's Brooks Lee. I even said on Monday's show that you know, that would be the pick that I would have to warm up a little bit on. But you know, he's been kind of growing on me. I mean, the guy's got a fantastic bat, a, a highly polished college hitter. So, I mean, if he doesn't stick at shortstop, which a lot of people don't like the idea of him sticking at shortstop, you know, maybe then 
that is a little bit of a red flag. That's an issue. The injuries are the red flag or issue for me. That was the the no point for me where I want to say if, if I'm creating my rankings here, I would have Brooks Lee last on my rankings of preferred picks only because of the injuries. But at the same time, if the Orioles take Lee, then they've done their homework on the medicals, right? So they feel comfortable in it that I'm going to feel comfortable with that. But yeah, it's, we're only a couple minutes away now, and I just want I want an actual pick to talk about and to react to at this point. Yeah, and the you know that's really the biggest concern. I mean, Lee, you hit the nail on the head. It's the injuries. I think everything else, pretty solid skill set, and it's easy to look at him and think that even if he does have to move off a shortstop, you got a third baseman, a pretty good bat that should play that position well. But the injury history does raise some concerns for me. Yeah, and but you see so many like the quality, the descriptors used about Brooksley at the same time, the, the pitch recognition, good swing decisions, high contact, the maybe the max exit velo numbers aren't there for Brooksley that I've seen, but he's consistently, I believe it was what top 90, 95th percentile in terms of um, you know, exit velos with him when he was in college. So I mean everything is good. It's just when when you compare him to the four high school guys, and I get it. Like you want to dream on one of these high school kids and and I do too. So I'm just kind of been like setting myself up to where if it is Brooks Lee, I don't want to be upset at this pick because what I was thinking about earlier, what has this and not to sit here and toot the front offices horn and everything. And in fact, sound like we're just chugging the orange Kool-Aid here, but really going back to 2019, just looking at the top of the draft, those first four or five picks, what has this front office done to not to make us not trust them with those first couple of picks, right? Everybody seems right now, yeah, you questioned Colton Kowser, you questioned the Kirstad picks, fully understand why, but now those are two of the, the most talked about players in the system for good reasons. You know, you look at the top of that 2019 draft, Gunnar Henderson is going to be in the major leagues, hopefully by the end of this year. Kyle Stower should be in the major leagues by now. So I think this team so far is hitting everything at the top of the draft long way to go for some of these guys for sure but everybody's on the right path right now which leads me to think like i'm not gonna pass judgment immediately so it's it's a wait and see but i do understand why so many people want one of these high school kids because the farm system's in a great place and it's a good time to just kind of dream on jones or the holiday or tomorrow yeah and the system has had success with the high school players that it has drafted. And I think that that's a lot of this too, is Gunnar Henderson, high school pick. He's now one of the top prospects in all of baseball. And if he's still prospect eligible at the end of this year, he's got a legitimate argument for being number one going into 2023. Kobe Mayo has been very good. That was a high school pick. Carter Baumler, you know, has had some injury issues, obviously, but looked really good when he's been on the mound. So when the Orioles have gone the high school route, they've generally hit. So I would have to think that that would give them the confidence to say, you know what, if we draft Tamar Johnson, Jackson Holiday, Drew Jones, Elijah Green, we're going to know what we're doing with that. For sure. And, you know, it's 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 baseball, too. So, yeah, we all have our favorites, but, like, we haven't watched these guys regularly. I mean, I've, I've seen so many comments of people like, all right, well, I spent last night a whole hour watching Brooksley highlights, and he's not the guy. We don't know that, right? The homework has been done for years now on some of these guys. Uh, I, I trust these analysts. I trust these scouts. And, you know, baseball's hard. So the odds of them panning out are going to be obviously low. But at this point, let's bring the guy in the system who's going to have the highest odds to succeed and reach the major leagues. Uh, and you've got four, five, 
possibly I'll throw six options in there as legitimate names who all have a really good odds. I love this class. Uh, and so we'll see who the Orioles like. And I don't, I don't think it's going to be a strictly money-saving move here either. And we talked about it on Monday as well. Like they have a formula. I firmly believe that money is going to play a factor in here, but they're going to take the guy who is one or two on their board talent-wise as well. Completely agree. And there's been a lot of discussion about this. I know certainly in our chat and I think elsewhere, I've, I know there's been some of it brought up on the Baltimore Sports and Life message board about the betting odds. I will admit I don't know the first thing about that. That's like out of my realm. But Nick, do you have you been following that at all? No, only because I, I am a gambling degenerate. Uh, so, but uh, I hate to admit that. But I have not only because apparently in the state of Virginia, we can't bet on any draft props for any sport. Huh. But uh, it, it does look like uh, Tamar Johnson is gaining a ton of steam after it was Brooks Lee yesterday. And today it seems like Tamar and I, I did see a tweet earlier that you know said, "Hey, they they got NHL draft that just happened and the NBA draft that just happened. The 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 guys that the steam came in on late, those were those are the top picks. Those were accurate. So if that trend does continue, and it's then it's going to be Tamar, and at, you know, I'm not going to hate that. Not going to hate that at all. No, not at all. And I'm going to go back to another question from Bill here, and this is something we're going to be following throughout the night." If the O's uh, go Drew Jones, might they take one of the many college pitchers who got Tommy John in 2021 or 22 with the Comp A pick? So it seems like that's a possibility, but they're, you know, as we were talking about earlier, they're going to have to trim from somewhere else in the draft in order to do that. Most likely beyond their fifth pick, you would probably see some college seniors that aren't going to sign for very much money taken inside the top 10 rounds in order to save money. Yeah, like I said, there's there's going to be options for that. You know, you get those senior signs for what, unfortunately, this is a whole discussion in and of itself, right? The senior signs that get 10, 20 grand signing bonus, 20 grand if you're lucky. And some guys might get, what, like five grand or even like a thousand dollars, which is just absurd in and of itself. But um, yeah, I mean, looking at some of these names, I think who, who did I mention on Monday's show that Baseball America did not have in their like top 40 something? picks i can't remember who the name was now at this point i'm losing it where are these guys i'm looking at anyway yes to bill's question yeah there are some of these guys and i think so many of the healthy college arms made such an impact in the world series or at least in the regionals or super regionals that they're healthy they're ready to go they've got a lot of steam right now they're hot names so i think teams would probably err on the side of let's go with that healthy college arm bring them in our system now and see what they can do uh, versus, you know, some of these injured guys, you know, that's more of a risk there. But you've got time with some of these guys. And so many of them had that surgery. Like, they're already throwing bullpens. We may, if the Orioles take one of those guys, we're not going to see them in Delmarva or in Sarasota probably this year. But opening day next year, they're going to be ready to go probably for Delmarva or in the FCO. So I think that definitely could be an option. Uh, I kind of hope it is, to be honest. Whichever route they go, if one of these pitchers falls, take them i think there there are three or four there that i think you you've got to just grab unless one of these more of these college bats fall which i don't think happens yeah it does feel like the back half of the first round when you look at mock drafts it's going to be heavy on college bats so i don't know if you're necessarily going to have a top option available there by the time you get that 33rd pick and that we're about six minutes or so from the start of the draft and 
want to take a look at the draft as a whole and not just the Orioles for a minute. Outside of, you know, the obvious who goes 1-1, what is the story or the storylines of the draft that you're eager to see unfold? As I want to see... I'm anxious just as a whole, not even Orioles specific. I want to see where Kumar Rocker goes. Uh, I kind of want to listen to that conversation as well when he gets picked. But uh, uh, yeah, I want to see that. I want to see where those injured college guys and the, the high school arms as well, Those some of those injured pitchers, I want to see do they fall or do teams go ahead and take that risk early? Uh, I am pulling real hard. I have a personal interest in this draft. My guy chased the lauder. Uh, I, I saw a lot of you know, Mox talks recently about him possibly falling. And uh, I did not get, I got my hopes up for one second of what if he falls to what, 32, 33, the next Orioles pick. But I think Jim Callis opened up the broadcast earlier today saying he, he sees DeLauder moving up towards the top 10. But yeah, I just want to see what direction this, this Orioles team goes in. Um, I want to start seeing names. I want to start talking about actual names. No more hypotheticals, no more mock drafts. Let's get real players in here. I think the team that I'm most interested in beyond the Orioles is the Mets because I believe they have the 11th and the 14th pick in the draft this year. They picked up a compensation pick when they did not sign Kamar Rocker last year. And it feels like they're the type of team that is going to make a big splash with one of those picks. And I'm really curious to see, you know, is that where Dylan Lesko goes? Does Connor Prelip go there? And if you're going to take one of those guys, then Chase DeLauder might not be a bad pick for them because you're probably going to have to go under slot with whichever pick, um, with one of those two picks, I'm guessing. So maybe DeLauder to the Mets is something we could see. Possibly. I think Prospects Live had an article. I meant to read it before we hopped on. I think it was written like a week or two ago, but I think they had a scenario of you know, how the Mets could just throw a complete curveball on all of this. And the Mets could get weird. Uh, that's for sure, just because you have those two picks right there. So, and a large bonus pool themselves. So, yeah, I I don't know. Do we want to? How much time we got? Four minutes? Three minutes? Yeah, we got about do, four minutes. Do we want to make? If if anyone's in the chat, you have your final guess, and you want to throw your final guess out there. We want to throw our final guesses out there of who we think it's going to be, or who do we want it to be, or, or are those two separate answers there? I think I'm fine with really anyone in the top five um, that we've talked about. And another name that was outside of the group of Johnson, Lee, Jones, um, Green, that I'm interested in holiday is Cam Collier. Um, if you really wanted to reach, I think that would be an interesting under slot pick. Um, but here's a comment from Justin that I wanted to bring up. Surprised that Jackson Holiday isn't getting as much love. His high school resume was better than Jones and Johnson. I know, I know high school bloodlines projectable, no glaring weaknesses. So I feel like as a whole holiday is getting a lot of love, but maybe in relation to the Orioles pick, uh, we're not hearing about it as much. I would be perfectly fine with Holiday, and Holiday was actually my prediction last week. Now I'm starting to lean a little more to Mark Johnson, but I would be fine with Holiday as a first pick. I think it'd be very good. Yeah, he is the guy who, you know, by all accounts, is the one who seems like he could stick at shortstop. And is probably, I think they said on opening broadcast tonight, like he is a future starting shortstop. Like there's no doubt about that. Uh, well, as far as you know, draft prospects are concerned. But I just think maybe because we haven't really heard of 
signing bonus demands. I think the only thing we've really heard is that there hasn't really been too much talk about him saving money now at this point as we've gotten closer and closer. So if he's not going to be someone who can cut a little bit of a deal and you're still going to have to pay him pretty close to full slot value or Drew Jones, like who are you going to take if take between Drew Jones and Jackson Holiday? I feel like a lot more people would tend towards Drew Jones there. So maybe that's why there's been less steam. Uh, and then we just have Tamar Johnson there. I think he is a guy who a lot of Orioles fans genuinely like and would genuinely like to see at 1-1, while at the same time could open up the draft board a little bit more for the Orioles. So I think probably that leads to why you're getting more tomorrow love. But yeah, I would be just as thrilled if it's Jackson Holiday, no doubt. Yeah, and I think if you want to compare and contrast the two, and you could probably go much deeper in this, but my thought is that Johnson has a more certain hit tool, although Holiday is a very good hit tool. But Holiday is probably going to be a better defender, more likely to stick in a premium position, and by most accounts, runs better. So he, he's a good player. And I think that one complicating factor is that he has a commitment to play at Oklahoma State where he his uncle is the head coach. So it feels like he has a good bit of leverage because he's going to go into a pretty nice situation. But we haven't heard much about the bonus demands. Yeah, I mean, I'm reading through this report as well. I mean, he's a 60 runner. You know, he's got the plus power. All that's filling out. He's growing physically, height-wise. He, he's putting on good weight. Like, all of that is just trending up. Really one of those late bloomers, but at the same time, it does, like, this article, you know, it's kind of also mentioning the fact that you're going to have to buy him out of that commitment to Oklahoma State. And so if that's the case, and the Orioles really like him, and you think he can stick at shortstop and be a premium shortstop prospect, You've got the money to buy him out. I mean, the Orioles do. Uh, obviously, if the Orioles don't go with him or Drew Jones, you know the Diamondbacks. It seems like by all accounts, the Diamondbacks are going to pounce on Drew Jones. So how far is Holiday going to slip? I don't know. That'd be the, the issue with him. But, yeah, if anyone's got the money to buy out that commitment to Oklahoma State, it's certainly the Orioles. Yeah, I think that if Jones does go to the Orioles, Holiday's probably the pick for the Diamondbacks. That seems to be the industry consensus when you look in the mock drafts, and that's one thing that's been pretty consistent over the last few weeks. But if that first pick is not Jones or Holiday, yeah, I don't know how far Holiday is going to fall. And I would have to think that the further outside the top three you get, maybe even the top two, the odds of him going to Oklahoma State become higher. Yeah, that's what I'm interested in. You know, Joe Doyle, Prospects Live, had a tweet the other day that said he he seriously thinks that one of those top four high school kids could find their way onto campus next year. And I don't think you just throw that out there to cover your basis. I think you say that with uh, some pretty good intel, some pretty good knowledge about how this board could shape out. And so that's that's going to be one of the first storylines here to pay attention to. Is uh, And I just love that the Orioles are holding all of this up. Like, you don't know if I'm one of those other teams pick. If you're the Diamondbacks, I feel like you're safe. Whoever the Orioles don't pick, that's where we're going. But after that, you're like, we have no clue on where this team is going to go. How do we judge this and start to set this up? How do we start to set up our boards? That's got to make this uh, even more difficult for the other franchises. But kudos to the Orioles and their leak-proof methods because we are now seconds away from this pick being made, and I don't think anyone still has the slightest clue. No, not at all. And I have to wonder if the Pittsburgh Pirates, three picks away, having done the same thing last year, uh, surprising us with Henry Davis at that first pick, how they're following this along. Because 
they're now in the spot where, you know, the board might be wide open for them at the, that fourth pick, or they could have some top names off the board by the time they pick. Yeah. Well, and I, like I said, before I mentioned hopped on, I've got the, I got to flip through back through all of this because uh, the chat is active and it's a uh, pick an announcer for Aberdeen in round 12. Uh, literally anybody that can talk. Uh, my two-year-old's become a pretty good talker. It will get him to describe what's going on. It'd be better than what Aberdeen has. Um, don't get me on this Aberdeen tangents. It's draft night. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. Oh, I've, I'm trying to bounce back and forth because I'm on a definite delay here with YouTube TV streaming this, and the chat is active. So I'm just trying for this first pick not to be spoiled for me. Yeah, I had my phone sitting here with my television running above me, and I get the feeling that Hopefully between one of the three devices that I'm on right now, I will actually <laughs> see the top pick in real time. Uh, but my guess is that our chat or a report on Twitter will be where this pick is leaked for us uh, in case Nick and I are you know, split second or so behind. Yeah, I might be a, mi- a minute behind, but that's that's okay. And hopefully Bob jumps in here in time because this is uh, about to happen. I see the Orioles draft room there on the broadcast. Uh, I feel cool? like Rob Manfred will go to the podium and start to announce the pick, and Bob will come on at the exact same time. <laughs> it's going to line up perfectly. Also, if we're doing – is this the first year that they've had this crowd like this at for the MLB draft? Because if so – and I imagine they're just going to start following the All-Star game. Uh, we need to bring the All-Star game to Baltimore, and we need to have a live draft party outside of Camden Yards when this happens. Because that would be awesome. Yeah, completely agree. Um, That would be nice to see. And, you know, if it ever does get to the point like the NFL draft, except it doesn't take seven and a half hours, I'll be very happy. I know. This is, I'm surprised we're getting so many picks tonight. And it's not just the first round, but that's fine. I'm here to talk all these guys and learn these guys who they are uh, with our fans and our watchers. And then tomorrow night, we're going to be talking about. What, eight more guys? Yeah. So maybe two. I don't think we've talked about Tuesday night. We'll see. I know so, we got yelled at. Breaking news, it is not the first overall pick. Bob is on his way. There we go. Yep. Yeah, so confirm that Bob Phelan is en route and should be on with us in a moment. It looks like uh, MLB Network has started up its coverage, um, and we should find out here within minutes who the Orioles are taking, if not seconds. I don't think I said mine, but I think I'm deciding, and I want this pick to be – I think it's going to be Tamar Johnson. Yeah, is it at the point for you now where you want it to be Tamar Johnson and you think it's going to be Tamar Johnson, or is there a split there? I think it's going to be Tamar Johnson. I still want Drew Jones, uh, to be completely honest. I just think so many of the things that I'm reading about the swing, about, yeah, the lack of pulling the baseball, and we know that was something that like Jordan Westberg – the Orioles have been focusing on with him, right? He's more pull power in Norfolk and look what he's doing down there in AAA. Uh, but at the same time, like, I just feel like so many of the things that get Jones gets dinged on when people are nitpicking him, there should be fairly easy fixes once he gets into a major league program. And once he gets into, you know, this Orioles organization and you look at like the exit velo numbers and some of the data on even stuff that he sends the opposite way, it's phenomenal. His defense, phenomenal. The bloodline's phenomenal, all of that. But I think everybody kind of has him ranked as the top talent in this draft. So 
I still want it to be Drew Jones, but I just think if you can save that little bit of money and still get a guy, a 1-1 deserving guy in Tamar Johnson, and he's a high-character guy as well, then yeah. you got to go Tamar. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, you know, with Jones, I've not been in love with the swing, but I don't think it's an insurmountable fix. Um, and everything else is there to be an elite player, especially with that defense and center field. Look, wherever he goes, uh, he's going to have a good career, you know, whether it's with the Orioles or the Diamondbacks or whoever. So he's going to be fun to watch, but I'm okay with whoever the Orioles take um, as long as it's yeah. not Ticket Barry. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just think, you know, it's this system is so stacked right now, and there's so much good depth, and that depth is up in AAA now. So you don't have to worry about, and I think it was Dan O'Dowd right there on the screen there. Uh, I think it was Dan O'Dowd said the same thing like earlier tonight. Like this system is good. It's good in the upper levels of the minor leagues. You don't need to fill a bunch of holes. Like you don't need to worry about filling out Del Marva's roster. Del Marva's roster is going to be fine. Uh, you can go after the high impact Drew Jones type pick here at one one, and the rest of your board will fill out as it fills out. But it, everything's pointing up. The Orioles are five hundred entering the break. Fantastic play across the farm system, entering the minor league break. And hopefully this is a, a night of celebration. And hopefully in the next three minutes, we don't have a civil war on our hands. And it's a bunch of people angry that it's Brixley. That's the only thing I don't want. I want yeah, this to be I, a good, joyous night. Yeah, you know, things are looking up. Who would have thought the Orioles would be 500 at the All-Star break? And doing it in a way where you could look and say, oh, well, they're doing it because these players that are probably going to be around for a while are playing really well. And they're doing it without John Means and Grayson Rodriguez, which is unfathomable. If you had said to me at the start of the year, the Orioles are going to be 500 at the All-Star break, but John Means is going to have Tommy John surgery early in the year and Grayson Rodriguez is going to have a lat injury before he has a chance to pitch on a major league mound, I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah. D.L. Hall just shook out 10 more guys tonight. In what five innings? He's got forty strikeouts in his last twenty innings. I mean, the guy has been one earned run. Guy's on a mission, uh, and I imagine he will get one of the first starts after the All Star break. Which yeah, we can Dale Hall against the Yankees uh, right after the All Star break would be fun to watch. Rob Manfred is now at the podium, but I can't tell if he's about to announce the pick or announce the star of the draft, which means that we would have another five minutes if it's announcing the star of the draft. Can you hear him talking through my speaker or anything right now? No, I cannot. Okay. That's too confusing to have all of that going on. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Plus, I want him to earn his appearance on this show. He can't just, you know, get a cameo in the background of an episode. He's got to earn his appearance. I even saw earlier, the rumors apparently were false, but I think Baseball America had the thing, like, are the rumors true? Are they going to get rid of the Futures game? I was like, oh, that would be a Rob Manfred thing to do. I don't know why, but I would blame that totally on Rob Manfred. But the rumors were not true. The, the Futures game is, is not going anywhere, apparently, according to Baseball America. Good, because it's good television. It's a great showcase for you know some of the sports best prospects. So it absolutely shouldn't go anywhere. Right. Gunnar Henderson got a walk, scored two runs. Had himself a pretty good night. Got to talk to Ken Griffey Jr. That was... Growing up, I mean, I feel like anyone our age, uh, around our generation, right, you grew up wiffle ball in the backyard doing the King Griffey Jr. swing, playing King Griffey Jr. baseball. That was just unbelievable to see Gunner talking with King Griffey Jr. in the dugout. That's the best part. That's the part I love about this, that Futures game. And I'd love to talk to some of the guys who are there and get like, their opinion about that. But 
you know, it's it's got to be so cool for a kid like Gunnar Henderson, who's on the verge of the major leagues, to sit there and talk to one of the greatest hitters of all time. Yeah, and, and a lefty, another lefty at that too. So yeah, we're now a little more than two minutes from the Orioles making the pick. They are officially on the clock. Uh, let's see. Yep, and right now we've got an ad for Nuts.com, family run since 1929, playing on MLB Network, and it's two minutes from the pick. All right, don't pull up Twitter. I'm not doing that. You're not going to spoil it for yourself? No. I feel like there's just so much they could do. Like ESPN, I'm much on MLB Network, but I think the first round is going to be on ESPN. They were showing a soccer game before this. Like there's no pre, pre-coverage. pre Like if you want people to get excited about the draft, I get it's it's impossible to like fully dive into this stuff if you have a family and a job and you know a life. There's so much baseball out there to follow. And following college and high school is already difficult enough. So like, you're just missing out such a good opportunity to educate fans about some of these top guys. But nobody wants to do it. It's MLB Network just wants to highlight the bloodlines. And ESPN just rather show MLS, I think it was. Yeah, I get that there's not that instant gratification that comes from the NBA and NFL drafts and that college basketball and college football players are better known than most draft prospects in baseball are. But there's got to be somewhere where you can meet fans in the middle to say, like, all right, we we know that, you know, the number one pick tonight's not going to be, you know, playing in the major leagues in the second half this year. But it's still a player you need to follow and follow in the minor leagues. Yeah, is Drew Jones could go one one right here any second, and he is the son of Andrew Jones, and by all accounts could very well be a, a future multi time All Star with the Baltimore Orioles, or somewhere in the major leagues. And I bet a lot of the average fan probably never heard of him, has no clue. It's just unfortunate, but the hype is growing and it's fun. You could tell by the people who are here watching, the people on Twitter, how excited people are, and it's not just even when the Orioles are. We'll see when the Orioles are picking 21st next year, what that excitement <laughs> level is like. I know we're going to be live with a handful of people and it's like 21st pick. Who's it going to be? Check in in six hours. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Next year's draft lottery is going to be really interesting to see how that affects things. I was interested too in this draft. How does like the NIL and college affect things? I think that was brought up in our, our Patreon chat earlier this week as well. That could be it interesting with some guys i wonder but you know but then again you know how different is that for baseball because baseball is just uh, such a unique animal in its own right um you know if you're a basketball guy you don't need to waste a day in college there's so much money available in the nba you're just going to go forget about nil but i wonder if baseball you can make a million bucks a year close to a million bucks a year playing college ball dreams of that world series and you don't have to ride a bus going to Augusta to Delmarva could be more attractive. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Uh-oh. Those, um, that oh, first, oh. those first few years in the minors are rough with the bus rides. Uh, Tamar Johnson taking a phone call. Is that what you got? I, I saw him taking a phone call there on the broadcasts. He got up and ran away from his family taking the phone call. So it must've been important. <laughs> Nick, are you feeling feelings? David uh, Adams wants to know. I just love drafts. I love drafts so much. Yeah, there that is go. Jamar Johnson on the phone here going away from his family. Now it pans to the Orioles who, as someone pointed out in the chat, have a very nice draft room. Looks like they really did a good job. I want to know where they got that neon sign on the wall of the warehouse. Why isn't that like 
outward facing. Oh, okay. I think you're a little bit more delayed than me, but uh, there's the pick. I'll, I'll let you wait until you uh, you see. Yeah. Yeah, Rob Manfred <laughs> is just going to the podium for me. And it's J- Jackson Holiday. All righty. There we go. So uh, quick reaction here to Holiday. I mean, like we just said, uh, it's – hang on, is he talking? No, that's just a video. I mean, this is – like I said, if that commitment to Oklahoma State was strong, the Orioles have the money to buy him out. Apparently, you know, they've they've obviously agreed to the money already, but obviously they felt like spending up and getting that money, uh, spending that money for Holiday, which is great. I think that's going to make a lot of fans happy. Hopefully, it's going to make a lot of fans happy that – the Orioles were willing to spin with that one one. This isn't an underslot deal. This is I'm interested to see the final dollar amounts, but uh another true shortstop prospect here. Yeah, to give background, MLB pipeline has scouting grades for holiday, a 60 hit tool, 55 power, run tool at 60, 55 arm, and 55 field. He's listed at 6'1, 175 pounds, born December 4th, 2003, the son of seven-time all-star Matt Holiday whose time in St. Louis overlapped with when Mike Elias and Sigma Dahl were there, or at least when Mike Elias was there. So, you know, a little bit of familiarity between the Orioles and the Holiday family. Uh, also reading here from the MLB Pipeline report, Holiday has an advanced re- approach, no surprise given his roots and a knack for pulling the barrel on the ball. He usually makes consistent hard contact, though he didn't during the summer when he let his simple left-handed stroke get too long. They're referring to last summer. After getting bigger and stronger, he's hitting the ball with more authority than ever this spring, and he also looks more relaxed at the plate and is letting his power come naturally. Now, if there's an organization that can tap into that raw power, it does feel like the Orioles. Yeah. Uh, look at all the – how many guys have they drafted recently where there are questions about the power or how much power could they tap into? Jordan Westberg, for instance. I mean, they're tapping into that power with these guys. So I was not expecting that. Yeah, if you had asked me, I actually had predicted Holiday a week ago. And if you had asked me today, I I was starting to get the feeling that it would be Kamar Johnson. But in in the end, not terribly surprised that it's Holiday. And I think that Holiday earned this. He had an excellent spring. He has the package that you would look for in a top pick. He has that athleticism. And, yeah, he's probably going to stick at shortstop. But I would be interested with his speed if he could end up in center field at some point. Yeah. And I mean, looking at this too, uh, some of some of these other reports, I'm trying to read and do this at the same time here. There you go. Uh, there's a clear argument that Jackson Holiday is the best player in this draft and the best athlete in this draft. Uh, and he's not going to take a number one overall. Dis- he's not going to take that discount at number one overall. So there you go. Clearly the Orioles are going to buy him out of that. And they're, I think the money's going to be close to slot value probably. Um, yeah, it seems he checks all the boxes. Even if he loses speed and he's an average runner or below average runner, he's still going to be passable at worst at shortstop because he checks so many boxes. There we go. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm How reading you- Eric Longenhagen's report, and we know with Eric, he tends to value shortstop defense. Um, and the closing line of his report on Holiday is he projects as an all-star shortstop. He's doing an interview now. I'm trying to. Listen to both. Yeah, and to go back to the earlier question we had about Drew Jones, I think that you're definitely knowing right now what it's going to take to get Jackson Holiday to sign. So I would fully expect he's going to sign here in the coming weeks. And 
If you're a Shorebirds fan, uh, you might get to see a pretty good prospect here before the season ends. So never too early for this question from Sterling. Where does Holiday rank in the farm? I'm thinking six. Where would you go right now? I was actually just about to ask that. Say that is the next logical next question here. Where would he rank? Um, let me pull up our rankings here real quick up on Patreon. Uh, it was her actually out of date now because Adley Rutzman has since graduated since our last update. That's true. So if you've got Grayson Rodriguez at one, pull up Bob's here real quick. That'll probably be the quickest. Live broadcast. Live broadcast. That's pulling up Skype. Yeah, I'll fill in, I'll fill in here. Uh, Fangraphs actually in their projected top 100, which is part of their board for the draft, would have Holiday 20th overall in the game. I think if I had to slot him in right okay. now, I would go three behind Grayson Rodriguez and Gunnar Henderson, but ahead of DL Hall, although that's kind of a moot point because it's possible, if not likely, that by the fall, DL Hall is no, no longer prospect eligible. So your top five in some order is probably Grayson Rodriguez, Gunnar Henderson, Jackson Holiday, um, Colton Kowser, and Kobe Mayo, or Jordan Westbrook. I think you've got six players and maybe even Heston Kerstad in the mix for the top five. I like that. Rodriguez definitely is still a number one. And if you've got, I think just right now, so like we're going to release a new top 50 here after all these picks are made and everything, but early next month, beginning of August. So Hall will still be on prospect list. So I think immediately you're going to have Rodriguez one. And then if you have Hall or Henderson two, whichever way you lean towards there, I think is fine. And yeah, I'd probably slot Holiday at three as well. I'm not putting him ahead of Gunnar Henderson. What he's doing, premium position as well, already at AAA for sure. But you know, would you put him ahead of Jordan Westberg, uh, Kobe Mayo, or Colton Kowser? According to these reports, I mean, probably initially. If he's a power hitter, you know he's going to stick at shortstop. I think, yeah, top three guy, top four guy, I think, on most lists. Yeah, you definitely don't put him ahead of Gunner because what Gunner is doing right now is what you hope Jackson Holiday is doing three years from now. So that, that's if Jackson Holiday gets to that point, he's going to be a really good prospect. But I would definitely put Henderson ahead of Holiday. I would put Holiday ahead of Mayo and Westberg. I think that Mayo could close the gap if he has a strong finish at Bowie just because he has so much power. And I think the defensive third base is solid. And Westberg, you know, he doesn't have the mix of tools that necessarily excites I think a lot of pundits when they're putting these lists together, but he's just a player who does everything well across the board. And I just think he's going to be a really steady major leaguer. Here's uh, for anyone that doesn't have baseball America pulled up right now, they're doing instant analysis on all these picks. And I believe Ben Badler wrote this one, but instant analysis, some scouts think holiday is the best player in the country. This wasn't the case coming into the year when holiday was a first round candidate, but not this high up the board. This spring, he grew taller, got stronger. The tools ticked up, making him a well-rounded player with a chance for average to plus tools across the board at a premium position. Son of Matt Holiday, Jackson's been an arrow-up player all spring, culminating in him being the number one overall pick. The Orioles are now even richer in shortstop prospects, with Holiday joining Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg as a top 100 prospect as soon as he signs. Yeah, that's a pretty strong endorsement from a guy who knows what he's talking about. Um, and just think about the depth of shortstop prospects in this position because you've got three legitimate top 100 prospects that play shortstop. But then you have Daryl Hernandez, uh, Joey Ortiz, who 
It's just, you know, starting to get going at the plate and it's still a really good fielder. And then even guys like Colin Burns who aren't on anyone's top list, but are solid players. <laughs> so a lot of depth. And here is Bob now. Um, Bob, welcome back from vacation, first of all. <laughs> and um, what's your reaction right now? I'll never doubt Vegas again. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just saw on my phone a couple minutes ago, Jackson Holiday is the guy. If the Orioles think he's the guy, then I'm cool with it. I think I would have been the happiest with any of those top three high schoolers, Jackson Holiday, Tamar Johnson, and or Drew Jones. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. And we were just, uh, we just fielded a question here about where does Holiday slot in the Orioles top 50 prospect list now? Nick and I kind of settled around third behind Grayson Rodriguez and Gunnar Henderson, but ahead of DL Hall. So where would you put him? Yeah, I do think that sounds about right. Um, who was I looking at? Was it Kylie McDaniel on ESPN? I think he said he would have had Drew Jones at like 23rd overall, Jackson Holiday at like 26th, and then Tamar Johnson around 30. So that that would check out if if that math makes sense. I I would have to think about it a little bit harder because the Hall has been pretty on fire lately. But uh, yeah, third or fourth for sure. See, I'm surprised that you didn't have like seven different hypothetical top 100 lists made with any player linked to the Orioles slotted into where you would put them. Yeah, I didn't want to spoil the fun I'm going to have after this draft is over. So, uh, yeah, I did do a little bit of thinking of if it's Drew, where would he go? If it's Brooks Lee, where would he go? Brooks Lee would have been a little bit lower than third, I'll tell you that. But uh, still would have been okay with it. But I'm I'm excited to see how the rest of this draft goes and who's going to be available at 33. No surprise here at number two, the Arizona Diamondbacks select Drew Jones. Yeah. That I'm sure they were chomping at the bit. They're waiting. Yeah, They wanted Drew Jones, and good for them. You got Corbin Carroll now, Drew Jones in your system. Mm. Diamondbacks. Oh, Thomas. Yeah, Diamondbacks are – they're going to be loaded with those outfield prospects. But, I mean, you mentioned the, the depth there. Now you look at – you're taking another premier shortstop prospect here. Gunner, Holiday, Westberg. Joey Ortiz has been hitting well lately as well. He's finding his way back after surgery last season. Uh, Daryl Hernandez continues to get slept on. He's hitting extremely well in high A. Uh, I'm, I know I'm missing guys. I mean, you still got even Adam Hall in the system who, for whatever reason, so many people, I think even within the industry, are still high on um, uh, Adam Hall. So, like, you've got a chest to deal from. There's so much discussion lately about trades, and one of the Orioles going to start trading prospects for pieces like you can afford to trade one of these shortstop prospects now in, in a deal. Is it going to be in the next couple of weeks? I probably doubt it, but you're building a war chest here. That's, that's what you're doing with premier prospects. Exactly. It's, it's going to hurt no matter who it is. It ends up going, but there's only so many spots on a lineup. At least the Orioles have the metrics. They, they know in their mind who they think they can work with the best, who's the best fit for a clubhouse Mm -hmm. Yeah, they might all be talented players, but I think I, I kind of feel like a, a Ravens fan now. Like I trust the front office. It's it's kind of a weird feeling. Well, that's a good point, Bob, and it reminds me of John Mioli's uh, newsletter. I think it was on Friday where he talked about maybe the shift needs to change for how we see the draft. Where you know in the NFL you're looking at total value and not necessarily who that top pick has been. In baseball, it has always been who is the top pick, but Michael Elias in this front office started to flip that narrative when they took Carlos Correa with the Astros and played the under slot route a few times. 
I don't think this is necessarily in that mold. I think that this is closer to Adley Rutzman in 2019 than it is to Colton Cows or Heston Kerstad in the last two drafts. But, you know, Holiday probably will end up with a little bit of a, I would guess, somewhat less of a bonus than Jones, but not significantly. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I'm, I'm going to say what Jim Callis had put in his latest mock that we could assign Jones for around $8 million. So I'm going to say, I'll just say we saved a million bucks with Holiday in, in 7.8. That's going to be my my guess. I think that still leaves you with, what, about $10 million, a little less than $10 million for these next couple of picks. So you can still go big here with your next pick or one of your, you know, you've got four picks just tonight. You can still go big with one or more of these picks. And now I just want all these other teams. Like, I don't even care who you guys select. Let's get, just get to 33. I want another pick. Yeah. Hit but, the fast forward button. We don't care who the Marlins take at six. Well, I think it's going to be Tamar Johnson actually, but which Khalil Watson and Tamar Johnson back to back for the Marlins. That's like my one uh, B options. My two of my favorites from the past couple of drafts, but. Uh, oh, okay. Uh-oh. Rangers. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a shocker. Kumar wow. Rocker. <laughs> Kumar Rocker to the Rangers. Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker reunited. Whoa. Not reunited, united. Oh, man. Wow. Interesting. Okay. They must love those medical reports <laughs> and what they've seen in the independent ball. Yeah, this is a real shocker. I'm not shocked that Kumar Rocker is going you know, in the top half of the first round. And I thought that there was maybe a possibility he got into the back part of the top 10, but number three overall, I didn't see coming. But I guess it kind of makes sense for the Rangers. You spent to win now. You don't really have that deep of a farm system. So maybe you go with a guy that you feel like if he's healthy, could get to the major sooner rather than later and be part of your rotation. Yeah. There, I forget who it was. Uh, National was it MLB Pipeline or some podcast I was listening to this week that was like, "Hey, if there's been a much higher premium," it was Joe Doyle who's on a, a podcast said, "There's been a much higher premium on these relief type prospects, or also guys like Rocker who could be in the major leagues within the next couple of weeks or by the end of the season." And so, if you're the Rangers, like you said, Zach, you spent all that money already. You want to win now. They put Jack Leiter in double A and said, go get it. And he hasn't so far. He looked great last night in the Futures game, but he struggled already. But if you think Kamar Rocker can help your bullpen out by the end of the year, I don't hate it. Yeah, actually, I kind of like it for them. I mean, they're already going all in on, you know, trying to get to the the postseason here with expanded playoffs. I mean, if you can have Jack Leiter and Kamar Rocker in your rotation in a year or two, not too shabby. Plus, now that the Orioles pick has happened, I'm just kind of rooting for chaos. And I just <laughs> exactly. So thank you, Texas Rangers. Yep. <laughs> and Pittsburgh, you did it last year. Do it again. Do something weird here. I think they're going to take Brooks Lee. That's going to be my guess. Yeah, that's what I think, too. I feel like the, it for Brooks Lee, pretty much the reigns in all of these mock drafts was Orioles at one, Pirates at four. I'm guessing Brooks Lee to the Pirates and Kevin Parada to the Nationals. But we shall see. Have we... Talked about where Jackson Holiday is going to start in the Orioles system, obviously the FCL, but do we think he's going to get up to Delmarva before the end of this year? I would say so. That'd be cool. I mean, even if it's, you know, kind of a missile day sown, you know, he would play more than day sown did last year, but like, you know, get him up there, 
um, and let him have a tune-up for a couple of weeks. And if he has to go back there to start next year, that's fine because he's so young. But, yeah, I I would expect that the chances are better than not that we see Holiday and Delmarva before the season ends. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate that. Delmarva, I feel like Delmarva's roster, some of it's been injuries, but I feel like they, they've been making room there for a lot of these picks to <laughs> – make their debut in Delmarva or reach Delmarva only after a couple of weeks. But, you know, we saw Colton Kowser in the FCL for a couple of weeks as well last year, even. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'm shocked by this rocker pick. Oh, it's man. pretty, pretty crazy. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I mean, look, the Orioles have been pretty aggressive with getting guys up to Delmarva, like Ben Cosme, um, Acevedo, even, I don't know. It just seems like they're not wasting any time. They want to get these guys into full season ball. Obviously, a little bit different after the high school season. You get drafted, and he obviously holidays what eighteen until for the rest of the season. Yeah, so yeah. still pretty young. Wouldn't be shocked if he just finished out in FCL, but it would be kind of cool if he got up to Delmarva, and and then repeated there again next year. Yeah, it's going to kind of be a formula I think we've seen with the Orioles a few times where maybe they are conservative on the front end, but then once he has his feet under him and he's hitting and he's playing well, they're going to be aggressive. So and this is something we talked about on a recent show, and I think it's worth getting into now, which is the competitive window and where a player with that first pick fits into it. Because I think the assumption was that if they went with Brooks Lee, it would be, well, he's going to probably, he could be on the Orioles as soon as 2024. And that should be when they're winning and he can make that team better. But if it's a high school pick, who knows when they're going to get there. I think that player development systems feel like they are getting more efficient with these kind of prospects and the truly elite guys don't have to take as long as they used to. So I definitely don't expect holiday there in 2020 in the majors next year and probably not the year after that. But the idea of him being a factor by 2025 is not at all out of the realm of possibility. And that's okay. Look, we have the depth at that position in the infield for a reason. We can give him all the time in the world to develop. If he pulls a Gunnar Henderson and is just lighting the world on fire, developing faster than anyone could expect, then then that's even better. Then you can figure out a way to make room for him. But give him time to develop. And I also just like he's the son of Matt Holiday, who's a, a coach. Obviously, there's a relationship there between his front office and, and what's going on at Oklahoma State, right? So... That's cool, too. They obviously, I'm sure they know exactly his personality and how it's going to fit in with the, the clubhouse they're, they're trying to build. So I really can't find much to complain about with this pick. Yeah. I mean, you guys talked to, I don't think I was on that episode with you guys when uh, Brad Selick was on, and he said if there's one reason, the one reason he doesn't want a guy to uh, not succeed and make it to the major leagues, it's because of makeup. So yeah, definitely not discounting who he is as a person and who he is as a leader on the field. So, oh man, thank you. Yeah, and I kept thinking back to that quote, Nick, from when we had him on, and it sort of felt like the Orioles were going to go with someone that they feel like, you know, is a strong makeup person. And how many times have we heard the term growth mindset thrown around by people inside the Orioles organization when they come on this show? It feels like Holiday is the kind of person where – you don't have to get him to buy into that culture, probably. He's going to fit in pretty quickly. And we finally get in on this trend of getting players that had major league parents. Yeah. Oh, the Pirates. No, we're coming for you, Toronto. 
Oh, here they come. Pirates are on the. This is my, our favorite guy, <laughs> Rob Manfred, making the announcement. Nick almost turned his speaker up earlier to get Manfred on the set. Like, <laughs> we didn't do that. We had to pitch in that idea. Yeah. Is it Cam good. Collier? No, no. Tamar. Good pick. Good pick by the Pirates. Yeah, yeah that is a good pick. Tamar Johnson and who did, they got uh, Gonzalez, right? Nick Gonzalez. So that's pretty good middle infield. And you got Henry Davis, who could be catching in the major leagues next year sometime probably. So uh, Pittsburgh fans, I think, should feel like their system is in pretty good shape. Uh, it's just a matter of with the Pirates, you know, how do they build the major league roster when the time comes? That farm system is pretty good. I was going to say they got Shoei Otani 2.0 down there and Bubba Chandler, who's just dominating the FCL. So I said it before, I love what the Pirates are doing. They're building a massive war chest themselves down there in the minor leagues. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of what the Pirates are doing since Ben Charrington took over. I feel like it's going to be renewed Pirates-Orioles rivalry in uh, three or four years. So where do we think now Eliza Green uh, falls? Because that was one of the things coming into the draft is, is Eliza Green going to slip further than we think? And right now we're through four picks. He's not off the board. It feels like the Nationals would go with Green because they took Brady House last year when there were similar swing and miss questions with House. But I don't know. I can't quite tell where the Nationals think they are in their competitive window. Other than Juan Soto not staying there. I was going to say, it's about to be bottomed out. Uh, they're going to yeah. go Gavin Cross. <clears throat> That's my pick. They don't have windows anymore <laughs> once Juan Soto is traded. But, um, yeah, I think Elijah Green's going to – I saw, I think it was that same mock draft from MLB Pipeline that he could be between 11 and 14 if he doesn't go super early. So maybe a Mets, you know, they love their flashy – big name guys so it could be the Mets we'll see if they sign them their medicals might sh- show up something I like that the Marlins is Roberto brings up here to be interesting but Marlins I feel like kind of having a, a mixed track record of some of their hitting prospects in the last few drafts Cleo Watson has not played that well this year JJ Blide has not quite worked out as expected yeah they didn't you... do go ahead Nick I was going to say, yeah, I wonder if you go the – if if green is as risky as people think, like, yeah, you might have the super high ceiling, but if there's more risk there, would they try to avoid that this year? But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Because, like, realistically, I, I think there was a lot of chatter about the Nationals liking Kevin Parada here. So if that's the case, like, yeah, I mean, it's wide open for the Marlins there next, which could get interesting. I wonder if they would go, like, college bat to play it safe. Brooks Lee, if he's still available. <laughs> Brooks Lee yeah. would actually be a good fit for the Marlins. Yeah, he's pretty polished. It's like hard for their hitting development to screw that up, I would imagine, to a certain extent. I mean, they didn't do much with the return from the Christian Yelts trade, right? That's when they got a bunch of high upside mm-hmm. position prospects, and and I think they're almost all completely out of the system. Yeah, I remember Lewis Brinson was one of the big uh, returns of that deal. I saw Brinson when he was with Hickory um, in the Rangers system, and loud tools, but there were a lot of really apparent like swing and miss concerns with Brinson then and the Marlins never ironed them out. Yeah. This I've got the, the MOB network broadcast here. I've managed so I can balance the two different sounds here. Um, I love Tamar Johnson. I just love hearing this kid talk. Pirates got a damn good pick. I'm kind of <laughs> uh, Jackson holiday. Welcome to Baltimore. I'm going to grow to love you, but, uh, 
I, I, as we got closer and closer, I did want Drew Jones. I did want that to be the pick, but I was ready to get just explode if it was Tamar Johnson at 1-1. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm a big fan myself. I, I'm rooting for the kid. I hope he turns out to even – I would love if he even stuck it shorts up somehow just because it feels like everyone's trying to find a reason to, like, bring him down. It's like, yeah, he's got a generational type bat, but what does he do for you? Uh, so-and-so, I don't know. I just, like, he can hit the cover off the ball. He's, I hope he's fantastic. I hope he sticks at second base as an all-star perennially. I was going to see what Ben Bather had to say because you know his write up is already <laughs> future starting shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, yeah. those are short guys. Yeah, Nationals, the pick is in, um, but I'm sure that I'm behind here. Yeah, I don't have it up on on mine yet either. I'm, I'm assuming it's yeah. going to be a college college hitter, Parada or, or Lee. But who knows? The Nationals are aware they'll probably take a pitcher who's injured. Maybe it's uh, Bitsko, right? Nick Bitsko. So we'll go with um, a question from Added here. What direction do they head for 33, Connor Prelip? I don't know if Prelip's going to slip that far. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the teams because I'm looking at the Mets, the Padres, the Angels, all feel like teams that would take a chance on a prospect like that. So I, if Prelip is in play at 33, you absolutely have to consider him. I'm just not convinced he's going to get there. Yeah, I feel like oh, Dylan Lesko is the name I'm, I was thinking of. Um, I th- I've seen Brandon Barreria, uh, Chase DeLauder, maybe um, Nick. That's for you. Uh, what was the other one uh, that I just saw? Great Peyton Graham. I feel like is a big time prediction for us at 33. But there's going to be plenty of talent there. Obviously, uh, Kumar Rocker not going to be one of those. Yeah, high school pitcher, TJ guy, or college bat at 33. I feel like that based on some of the mock drafts that have come out um, in the last, you know, 48 hours that a lot of the more interesting college bats that would have been available around that pick are going to be off the board by 33, but we'll see what happens because we've already seen Kamar Rocker drafted far ahead of where he was expected to go. And we're not even halfway through the first round. We're just about halfway through the first round now. Uh See, now we're at the point where what are, where do they go next? We have no idea. Um, I would like a pitcher just because I, I I genuinely feel like some of these pitchers are going to fall. Which one? I don't know. But I, I'm going to continue that and say one of these pitchers does fall. And if you've got the money, like Jackson Ferris, his name just keeps sticking out to me. If he falls, I want that kid because I just feel like he's D.L. Hall Jr., which I, I love, especially if he has that attitude. But like – do you go safer with a college arm? I would almost love a college arm because let's a guy who can be in Delmarva in a couple of weeks. I wouldn't mind that. Like Carson yeah. Wisenhunt here. I wonder if he would be of interest. I know he had the suspension with the over the counter. He says it was over the counter, like GNC product, and he got tagged for, but I wonder if like I don't know. Yeah, not too concerned yeah. about that. I would definitely be happy with the Wisenhunt signing. I or drafting i would uh i'd love to see a pitcher high score college just let's get a let's get an arm up early and, and erase that narrative as well that we we won't take high school early on and we won't take pitching early on let's do both i would be very interested to see Kate horton fall to that spot yeah if you've got a legitimate fastball slider combination coming out of college which is what he seemed was definitely flashing in the college world series 
just develop a third pitch, he can move quickly. There's definite risk factor attached to him, but he's got really good stuff. And if he would slip, you know, beyond the first round, I think putting him at 33 would be good for the Orioles. Um, just a comment here from Pat's. Very interested to see where Judd Fabian goes. There were reports after the draft last year that Fabian, uh, the center fielder at Florida, was the Orioles' target with their number two pick. The Red Sox ended up drafting Fabian before the Orioles had another chance. He ultimately didn't sign with the Red Sox. Went back to Florida and was a little bit better this year, but still comes with real question marks about his strikeouts. But positives with him. Looks like a player who can stick in center field and has real power. Yeah. And I pulled up his numbers here real quick. I mean, he struck out almost basically 29% of the time last year, uh, but that was 2021. But this past season, the strikeout rate dropped to about 22%, and the walk rate went from 15% to 20%. Uh, so any career-high 24 home runs, 10 doubles, and a triple. So I would love Judd Fabian as well, solid defender. Uh, I watched after – our our good friend who I wish was on with us tonight, uh, Stephen Loftus. I really miss him this time of the year, but um, he threw out a name. He threw out some Florida Gator names, specifically the pitchers. Uh, is it Barco? Was that the pitcher Hunter Barco for Florida? He threw out that name. And I think a couple nights later, he pitched against Liberty. And I watched that Florida, uh, that Florida series against Liberty and loved Barco. Remembered why I loved Judd Fabian. I think he had a good series that weekend as well. That'd be an interesting pick. And he's not going to take that. He's not going to require all that money again this year. But the name that I was trying to remember earlier when we first jumped on was Connor Prelip, Alabama. That was the guy who Baseball America and some other mock drafts had falling pretty low. And so this is a guy who throw in 96, 97 miles an hour, three, four pitches in his repertoire, potential 1-1 candidate before the time of John surgery. I'm all over that. A lefty, I'm all over that if he falls. Yeah. That's another good option. Justin Campbell, is that who we had in our in our mock? He might be there. And that's, again, that's Oklahoma State. So more connections there to uh, Mr. Holiday. And did I just see the clip of Holiday finding out he was number one? And it looked like it's like a little kid who should be in middle school. Or is that Jackson Holiday? He looks, he look he, super young. He Long look hair. Young. Yep. Yeah. He does look very, uh, very young. I feel like everyone looks small next to Matt Holiday. <laughs> That's, That's fair. That's fair. And as we get older, <laughs> these kids are going to look younger and younger, right? That just means we're getting old. Here going back to Judd Fabian, with what we've seen from Kyle Stowers this year where he's cut the strikeout rate, the walk numbers have stayed about the same, and the power has output has stayed the same. Would you feel a little bit more comfortable if the Orioles could – at least neutralize Fabian's strikeout issues, especially because he's already made progress. Yeah, hundred percent. I think if they already liked him with that high strikeout rate, they probably got to love him now. Mm-hmm. And shout out to the Nationals who went Elijah Green there. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, I mean there. that just goes to show <laughs> they're City going in for a, yeah, a big deep rebuild. Has <laughs> just started with. That's a good pick though. If they are going to do that, yeah. that's that's shout out to them. That is pretty good. Yeah, it is a good pick. And I, you know, that's a player I would have been okay with the Orioles taking because I would have felt like their farm system could have worked with them and probably, you know, addressed the strikeout concerns such as they are. Because there seems to be 
a gap in how some evaluators see the strikeout issue as an issue uh, this year. So, you know, Nationals pick up a good player. And if they're looking at a rebuild with, with Juan Soto turning down that contract extension offer, they probably are. This is a good place to start. I just love David's comment there. Has Matt Holliday touched home plate yet? Uh, as someone who wrote about the Padres for a whole year, that comes up every single day among Padres fans. Um, so, yeah, that was just that was a flashback moment. But yeah, this is getting this is getting good. I'm enjoying yeah. I'm enjoying this. I love how we analyze these mock drafts, and then like every year, I feel like oh. So and so was the best with eight of thirty. <laughs> they did so <Nice>. good. <laughs> but Elijah Green, I mean, this—I feel like we've been hearing this thing for two years. It seemed like, you know, two years ago. Oh, whoever picks first in twenty twenty two, they're going to take Elijah Green. He's a—he's a beast. He's going to be incredible. Well, fifth overall is not too shabby. There yeah, you he was another player who fell in the draft hype cycle of he's the number one pick to. Eh, he might be lucky to get drafted inside the top five. That happened for Mark Rocker last year. Um, and honestly, you see very few drafts like the one the Orioles had in 2019 where the top two players stayed the top two players the whole way, and that's how they ended up going in order in the draft. You just don't see that a lot. Yeah, that's Here's true. some uh, shout-out to uh, Zach Silver, MLB.com. He's, I guess uh, – Michael Elias is doing a video call about the first pick. Some quotes there said, it's a gigantic decision and moment for the Orioles franchise. I'm very proud and happy with the result we got today. I would liken it to deciding what to order at a five-star restaurant. And then Zach says, not naming names, Michael Elias laid out Drew Jones, Elijah Green, and Brooks Lee as the other top contenders the Orioles had for their number one pick. So hmm. no mention of Tamar Johnson there. Interesting. interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And out of, I mean, out of those options, I, I think Jackson Howard is good. It would have took Drew as well. But I, I'm guessing they got a better number that's going to allow us to do some more damage tonight with Holiday. Yeah. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Zach Silver, I do want to shout him out. His Sunday newsletter is really good. That's a definite must-read up there with John Mioli's maximizing playoff odds. It comes out once a week. Yeah, you're not wrong, and I feel like right now Orioles fans have a, a lot of great coverage uh, of the team. Good timing, too, with the the tide turning, the rising tide, and uh, things going in a better direction. Got a lot of good uh, content out there right now. There's more from Nathan Ruiz and Andy Casca, and again, you know, Speaking take, this, of. <laughs> yeah, take this for what you will, but more quotes from Elias saying that Holiday is a potential star, middle-of-the-order shortstop, uh, Elias doesn't know if there's a higher type of ceiling out there. I don't know if the ceiling gets much higher than it is for Jackson Holiday. High praise. Yeah, so. five-plus tools potentially, well-rounded. Jordan Westberg, the clock is ticking. <laughs> Make your impact. It would, be, it would be interesting now, though, to see these trades, who the Orioles decide to move at this point. Yeah. Very there's just so much because holiday is not going to sit in the fcl for the rest of this year i don't think there's any way and it's like you're you're running out of room i think shout out to chris resitar again he made this point earlier on twitter today like the marlins i knew it they went safe um but you're running out of of you're running out of uh spots there to play these premium guys he but, falls uh, happy freaking marlins i knew they'd play it safe <laughs> That's way too safe. That is very <laughs> safe. 
Uh, I hate I that. like I like I the guy. That. I love watching yeah. LSU baseball. Oh, yeah. And I like this guy. And I hope he does pan out. I hope all these guys pan out. Yeah. But uh that's too early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the Rockies at 10 just made sense in so many ways. Um, because watching him mash at Chorus Field oh, yeah. would have been that a lot been of fun. fun. He's look, Jacob Berry's gonna hit. I didn't want him for the number one picks because I think he's gonna be a first base or a DH. Yeah. But We've he's going short- to hit. Brooks Lee is still there, right? I'm not crazy. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Parada <laughs> is also going to be a first base, yeah. maybe left fielder, and he can hit. I, I like his hit better than Barry's, but yeah. I'm willing to wager that there are a lot of anxious people in the Twins' war room right now, hoping that the Cubs do not take Brooks Lee because Brooks Lee feels like a Twins prospect. Um, yeah. Well, I still, I keep Cam Collier's name keeps screaming out to me ever since we did our mock draft. Collier to the Cubs, it just seems like. Too much of they've, a good they've liked him, I feel like, for a, quite a while. Yeah, and Cam Collier is a good player. If the Orioles had been picking lower in this year's draft and they had, let's say, taken Collier fourth, I would have been happy with that. Yeah, maybe Brooks Lee will fall to 33. There's always someone that slides pretty far down. The, so dream- the rest, of, rest of the top 10 here, we got the Cubs picking seventh, Twins eighth, Royals ninth, and Rockies tenth. So it feels like there's some teams that you look at them and they could go either way. I feel like the Twins are going to end up going college bat. Um, The Royals, I feel like, are kind of hard to pin down because they could take one of the pitchers or they might look for, you know, kind of that toolsy high school guy. Um, You know, Zach Neto, I don't think would be a bad pick for them if he's there, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, the dream for me is Dylan Lesko falls to 33. That's that's the one I really want because I feel like a lot of people still think he could be a top three or five player, even with the Tommy Johnson day. He was the only pitcher that it felt like in earlier in the spring was in the mix as a top three player, and that was before the injury. Mm-hmm. Just trying to find Dayton Moore's son. I know before the season started – Baseball America was all over the Royals legitimately taking Dayton Moore's son. And unless I've missed it, I think his name has completely dropped out of like the top 300 here of these rankings. So maybe in the 16th round. (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of an interesting discussion. Like we haven't had this year, which is that the Royals and Tigers have been worse than I think anybody would have expected. Um, why do you guys think that it is, and does it give you any concerns about what the Orioles might look like next year? Well, personally, it, it doesn't give me concerns for the Orioles. I don't – I mean, I, I liked the comparison because the Tigers were a year ahead of us far, as far as, like, rebuild schedule. But their offense was so bad last year, and – I feel like they kind of rush things, at least with Elias. Yeah, you can complain, why isn't this person up yet? Why hasn't this person been promoted yet? But they're very methodical. They take their time. They, they're not going to shortchange development just to try to rush the competitiveness of the major league team. And I feel like the Tigers kind of did that a bit this year with Torkelson. Obviously, he's been demoted back down because of a poor start. But, I mean, he was selected a year after Adley. And, and to, for him to get to the majors first, I think Vivek was saying it in the WhatsApp group, like, there's a reason that these guys usually get the abats they do in the minor leagues to get them ready for this. And I'm sure Tor- Torkelson will be fine in the long run, but he rushed him up. He wasn't ready. I feel like the same thing's going to be true of Riley Green. And Javi Baez, that was a very risky contract. I mean, very 
boomer bust kind of guy and obviously isn't working out too well so far but yeah i the royals are the royals <laughs> i feel like their their whole operation is a little bit flawed <laughs> they're i feel like they're not up to the uh the part of a lot of teams anal- analytically and player development wise but i i just can never be sure of what to make of the royals yeah i don't know what to make of them either i mean you hear a lot of good things like they they really take care of their prospects and all that stuff mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like yeah but are you training them the right way i don't know but tigers yeah i was expecting the tigers to be a lot better as well and it's i think looking at some of their recent draft picks though I, could this be an example of why you don't go pitcher heavy in that first round right as you know brad selick said they're risky pitchers you look at their first round draft picks jackson job torkelson green and then casey Mize, alex fieto matt manning Bo Burrows in 2015. Wow. How many of those guys are succeeding in the majors? Not very well. So we just had another shocker here. Cade Horton goes seventh to the Cubs. Wow. Wow. They <laughs> said his stock was rising after the World Series, but that is some serious heat. Speaking of organizations, I don't understand what they're doing. What are the Cubs doing? <laughs> like they, they didn't spend, and then they traded players, and then they kind of half-heartedly spent and built a really bad team. I mean, you know what? If Hort, you know, Horton's stock was definitely on the rise, and this is an interesting pick, but you're not drafting Cade Horton to pitch in the bullpen in the stretch run this year unless, you know, you're trying to not finish with the worst record in baseball. Horton, wait, what did I hear? He went to who? The Cubs. There he goes. So Horton, Horton here's a who, Joe? Wow. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. I was a step behind there. <laughs> no, that is, that's, that's pretty surprising because I feel like – yeah, I don't know. They that's they they got plans, I guess, for the second second round or so. I don't know. That's got to be under slot. And the Cubs, yeah, they have so they have a decent farm system, but they're all so far down, like low A, high A. I just feel like they're a ways away. But they also operate at the major league level, like they're going to be ready closer sooner than that. So yeah, I'm not sure what the Cubs are doing. Yeah, I mean, it it seems like. Just kind of reading up on him real quick, a little bit more, that this report says he has a ceiling of a number two or three, number three starter that could land him in the top 40 picks. And he goes number seven. Uh, and it seems like there could be like legitimate risk there that he becomes you know, a two-pitch reliever. Fastball can get 98, and that's big. And the slider seems really good, but I don't know why you go him at seven. That's Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm reading Eric Longenhagen's report, and Longenhagen had him a little bit higher up at 12th with a high risk factor, though. Um, considering this is from Eric Longenhagen's report, considering how few reps Horton has had, that pitch, all his pitches really, he's referring to his changeup, has an extra bit of projection. He very comfortably has repertoire depth and command to start. It's just that he's only thrown 53 total innings in college. There's rightfully less confidence in Horton's durability than there would be had he been healthy and pitched two entire seasons looking like this. That risk is counterbalanced by the possibility that he's just scratching the surface in literally every other area. So, you know, this is an upside player for the Cubs, and it's going to be interesting to see if it works for them. Yeah, good point by uh, Thomas here, Thomas Munson. Back-to-back years where pick seven was a big reach. I think it was the Royals last year with Frank Mazzucato. So, yeah, and the very uh, MLB draft is very underrated as far as entertainment goes, in my <laughs> my uh, opinion. 
It feels like the draft has gotten more entertaining in the last three or four years. And I think one of you made this point a little bit ago that it, it used to kind of feel like you could guess the top 10 accurately and at least have the 10, the 10 correct players. I don't think anybody even got to correct 10 players inside the top 10 this year. Right. Yeah. I, I, that would be hard to do if you did. <laughs> All right. So we're at what? Pick eight and Brooks Lee is still there. Yeah. Twins. Colorado think, still there. I think Cam you're going to call it. Still there. <clears throat> yep. I think Twins go Brooks Lee. I, Parada to the Rockies. It could be just as fun as Jacob Berry to the Rockies. Oh, yeah. Um, Royals, like, who knows? It could be uh, Frank Mazzucato the third. I think it's interesting to uh, – you go college over the some of the high school pitchers that are available and rank about – if you look at some of the other rankings, some of those high school arms rank around where Horton does as well. It's interesting that you went uh, mm-hmm. college over high school arm. Someone who just had Tommy John surgery as well, so I guess he's he's got that out of the way for right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <clears throat> and speaking of the Royals and and pitching early in the draft, maybe not working out so well. How many pitchers have they taken early between Jackson Cower, Bray Singer? It just seems like they have so many of these college pitching prospects, and it just that none of them have really broken out. And it has been a struggle for the Royals and why I feel like their rebuild timeline feels uncertain. Um, the fact that you have, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. in the major leagues this year, and they actually had, you know, added some reinforcements that major league roster over the last couple of off seasons. They've been pretty bad. I actually was thinking about this recently, and it's a point I'll probably dive into in a later show. I feel like the Royals operate in terms of building their major league roster the way a lot of Orioles fans wish that the Orioles had in the last three years, where you'll go out and you'll sign a veteran to be a stopgap at a position for a year or two. And in the case of the Royals, you go out and you trade for Andrew Benintendi. You hold on to Whit Merrifield, um, although apparently you know, he wants to be on a contender now. Carlos Santana, you bring him in. They brought in Zach Greinke this offseason and what sort of felt like as much a feel-good move as it did you know, an actual baseball move. But I feel like that they've done that. They've found ways to try and make the major league roster more interesting, and it hasn't worked. That's true. <laughs> yeah, they're trying stuff. They're throwing stuff at the wall. <laughs> uh, I kind of like our approach now better. So we'll stay so on this uh, show here for the remainder of the top 10. We're on the Minnesota Twins right now with the eighth pick. Then after the Colorado Rockies pick, Uh, 10th overall, we're going to hop off and head over to our Patreon feed. Um, But thank you to everyone who has tuned in for this, and we're looking forward to going through these next few picks. Absolutely. This is just getting started. This is I've been looking forward to this. Even on my vacation, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the draft. And we got got Monday night. Tomorrow night we'll be live, too. So we'll be recapping what's tomorrow, round 3 through 10? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yep. We'll have that. So might have to wait. Maybe we'll do uh, the third day patron exclusive since uh, some people really (laughs) wanted that badly. Um, But yeah, we could at least, and we'll have John Mioli on tomorrow night for uh, a brief check-in to get his thoughts on today's action. So that'll be fun. Yeah. It's been a while. Well, a while by John standards, (laughs) because since he, 
came on the show last year for the first time. He's been on pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those wondering where the On the Verge leaderboard will stand after John's next appearance, he'll firmly be in second, fourth overall, th- still three shows behind Stephen Loftus, who now is with the Atlanta Braves, former draft contributor at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. That should have been a, a prediction we did. Where do the Braves go at 20? Channel your inner Stephen Loftus. and uh, It's going to be a great pick, no matter what it is. I know. Yeah, it's going to be Dayton Moore Jr., I think. Steal him right from under the Royals' uh, arms. I'm curious to see how these four picks play out and then to get John's perspective tomorrow night before we dive into breaking down the other selections, but... uh, John's got some good work before he comes on tomorrow night. Give him a bump and uh, subscribe absolutely. to his newsletter if you haven't. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Stack, there are free and paid versions of his newsletter. Um, the three of us have the pay for version. Even if you go with the free version, you're still getting, I think it's one or two articles from John each week that are excellent. Yeah, it's always a pleasant surprise because it's always right in the morning. So I'll wake up, I'm getting ready for work, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be five minutes late because I'm going to read this. This looks very interesting. So highly recommend it as well. Here was okay. another pick. The twins are up. There you go. I have it on mute, so I can't hear. Is it Brooksley? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There's Brooksley. So feels like the right player for the right team. Um, the twins haven't had the best of luck lately with injuries and prospects, particularly with Royce Lewis, but hopefully that's not the case for Brooksley. Because um, I think the twins got a pretty solid player and a guy that could help them in the major leagues. Sooner rather than later for – and this is a team that has a pretty good core up there now. Yeah, for I sure. I, was saying, I don't know anyone like who has the luck that Royce Lewis does. I mean, it wasn't like the same knee. Was it ACL or whatever it was, but the same exact injury again. This guy's going to be like 25 before he has a chance to debut. Uh, that's unfortunate. And I guess they're not too confident at all, Austin Martin over there. Um What's he been up to? <laughs> what is that's up here? Ooh, hitting 249 in double A. One home run. Man, who would have guessed? Good, good pickup by the twins there. Yeah, they need Brixley. <laughs> they need a shortstop prospect. Well, I think it's official. Carlos Correa is opting out this year. Let's say this drafted Brooksley. That's the kind of analysis the twins fans get. I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, someone was saying Bruce Cunningham was talking about depending on what the Orioles do and with the first pick tonight's draft is going to depend on if they trade Santander at the deadline or not. I don't know. I think he should join Bruce Zimmerman in AAA. Bruce and Bruce. Poor, poor Bruce got, got rocked last night. I saw. Did yeah, not watch I, the outing, but. Did I see D.L. Hall had another great outing today? Ten strikeouts over five innings? Ten strikeouts, five innings, no runs, one walk. Maybe he could start the first game out of the break. So where do you guys think, uh, going back to the draft, where do you think that Drew, Drew Gilbert is going to fall? That's a name that kind of has been linked to the Orioles a little bit, and it feels like the kind of player the Orioles would target. But some mocks I have seen have him gone before the 33rd pick. I don't know. I mean, he's he's kind of short for an outfielder, 5'9". Uh, I mean, I don't know. I could see the Yankees taking him. To be honest, the Yankees have been one of the teams linked to him. And I guess the the one thing with Gilbert, in some respects, it does feel like a Orioles pick because this guy's going to stick in the outfield. 
good hit tool from an SEC school, but also doesn't have a lot of power projection. So is it almost sort of like South Relic 2.0, where it's like, he's a good player and he's going to, you know, have a good career in the major leagues. He just maybe isn't an Orioles fit. Yeah. I'm fine with a team going with Gilbert here near the back end of the first round, as long as Chase DeLauder keeps falling. Cause yep. DeLauder's got the power. DeLauder is an elite base runner. He's a year younger than Gilbert, more than a year, a year exactly a year younger than Gilbert. Uh, I've seen a lot of, Taking my my purple glasses, shaded glasses off here as a fellow JMU alum. Um, teams, the, the data-driven teams, DeLauder fits them. And De, DeLauder's going to rank high, pretty high up their boards. And age has a lot to do with that. Uh, and he's a lefty power hitter with speed. So keep falling, Chase. I, I hate to say it. I want you to get paid. <laughs> keep falling. How quickly can we get him on the podcast if he gets picked at 33? Oh, ASAP. <laughs> ASAP, I'm hitting him up. If it's if he falls up, maybe give him a maybe give him a day or two. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully, gets over there. slide. You know, <laughs> the Royals pick is in. It is Gavin Cross. Quick. Okay, all right. all right, all right. I don't hate that. Yeah, That's I think it's, it's good value at nine. Yeah, I'm proud of the Rockies. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> I was excited. I was gonna. I was going to actually watch Gavin Cross chase the water here at JMU with our friend Stephen Loftus, but uh. DeLauder had to go break his foot, and, uh, but good pick by the Royals. Yeah, definitely. The, the Rockies are up. I mean, this could be literally anybody that gets picked here. Do they let the uh, – who do they let make the pick? Does the owner make the pick? Frank Monkfort, right? Yeah. If this were three years ago, I would guess they were going to draft a reliever because um, <laughs> they need another bullpen arm. That's going to be the thing that pushes them over the top. Right. Another reliever. <laughs> um, it should be Kevin Parada or Cam Collier, but we'll see. I hope for Collier's sake it's not him. They, He's too young, too much development needed. I Don't leave it up to the Rockies to do it for you, bud. Shout out to Zach Veen. We joke about him all the time, about us trading like Adam Hall and two 17-year-old kids from the Dominican for Zach Veen, but – he showed out last night in the Futures game. I don't know if you guys watched that, but I don't think I've ever really sat and watched a whole lot of Zach Veen, and I love that kid. If there's one savior in that Rockies organization, it's him. Yeah, I like Zach Veen. I was I was kind of rooting for him to be the pick. That was the same year as Hessen Kerstad, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll take Kerstad now. I would still would take Kerstad over him just at this point, given all the information we have. But Zach Veen, he's, he's definitely got some real potential there. I'm seeing Justin Crawford here. High school outfielder. Is that Carl Crawford's son? Yeah. Good tools. I mean, it's a you know, player with a lot of upside. Um, I think there's a definite risk factor there, but solid pick. I'm going to go off the board. Jordan Beck. I saw him actually uh, falling to the Orioles. Jonathan Mayo, I think, had him going to the Orioles at 33. But I just feel like it's, it's going to be someone at least – predicted to go 20th or later when you got the Mets next too and I, I would love to know what conversations are happening right now in that war room yeah they have two picks oh, coming yeah. up 11 and 14 so like you could Mets get fans just, are getting stoked. <clears throat> you could get stupid crazy with that one of those picks mm-hmm. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if DeLauder went to the Mets honestly well in one of these we were sent to the top over five percent to the top of the show Bob that maybe the water could be the under slot guy 
that you take because you're going to go over slot one of those two picks. Exactly. Yeah. With the Rockies, I feel like Kevin Parada makes too much sense. It really does. Like it would be a the right pick for the right organization, but I don't know that that's going to be the case. Jace yeah, so. Young, Jace Young, even could be a fit. I think if you're the Rockies, you take the most polished college player you can. That you try not to screw up. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Mets hate coming from in the chat here. Oof, Roberto, I hope they Roberto. pick Collier so the Mets could suffer, and then Sim contribute, and the Mets must suffer. <laughs> Rockies did take the polished college pitcher there. Oh, Gabriel Hughes. Gabriel Hughes, Gonzaga. Hey, I said they're going to take someone at least ranked in the 20s. They took the 26th ranked, according to uh, MLB.com. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I looked at Gabriel Hughes a little bit before our mock draft thing. Uh, and to be honest, before I, I was preparing for that mock draft, I had no idea Gonzaga had a baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> Good for Gabriel Hughes, I guess. I think they just got added to the Big Ten. Along with everybody else. <laughs> yep. Well, this has been a lot of fun going over the top 10 picks and what is a wild draft so far. If you want to hear more coverage tonight, join our Patreon group. We have subscriptions starting as little as $3 a month, and you'll get to hear a bonus coverage for the rest of the night. We're going to be here a while. And for everyone else, though, thank you for listening to tonight's episode. You can check out BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com for all the latest coverage on the Orioles, including the draft, as well as the Ravens, college sports, and more. Hop on the message board there and join the discussion. There's an active discussion going on there right now about the draft. So if you're looking for another place to talk with the Orioles fans, that would be a place to go. And follow us on Twitter at BSL and the Birds. We will have another main episode tomorrow night. We're going to have John Mioli on it and then recap picks three through 10 in the 2022 MLB draft. For Nick Stevens and Bob Phelan, this is Zach Svedden. You've been listening to On the Birds. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.